When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Guys, this is Succession. This is HBO. If you don't want to hear me talking about Logan Roy, talking about then don't listen to this. There are bad language words in this show. Hello! Welcome to the Weevils in the Flower Sack episode of Slate Money Succession Season 3, Episode 1. Oh my um, god. Let's go. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, people. Hello. We are here. We are watching Succession. It has finally begun. I am Felix Salmon of Axios. I am here, of course, with Emily Peck of Fundrise. Hello, hello, hello. Let's go. Let's get into it. I'm so excited. Hurry up. Um, who are we getting into it with this week, Emily? Janine Gibson, the one and only, is here to discuss the first episode of season three. Janine, I don't know your title at the FT, so you can say it. Um, I, I'm an assistant editor. I have other titles, but they're all very dull. Hello, everyone from London. <laughs> Janine, welcome. I'm so excited. We 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 just were talking to... Rebecca Mead last week, who's also in London, uh, we were talking about how English this show is. So I feel like we're starting off with someone who is well attuned. Well, Rebecca's moved just around the corner. So you're really diversifying. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, Nailing ladies of a certain age from North London. <laughs> there you go. So you see, like, we, we have all sorts of English women on this show. It's great. Okay, Emily, where are we even going to start? Let's start at the beginning, okay? Because season three picks up pretty much right after the end of season two. It picks picks right up. It has the gang, Logan and the gang, flying to I think Croatia. Well, that's where they were on their on their boat, right? So he's taking a helicopter to the airport in Croatia from the boat, which was off the coast of Croatia. Correct. They don't know where they're going. They don't know where they're going. That's like a big a big part of the episode. It's unclear where Logan wants to go. He's afraid. He's he's afraid to go back to New York. He doesn't want to get arrested. Well, I mean, so this is this is the first part of the 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 first like great little plot twist thing. No one knows where they're going, but the short list is like it might be London, it might be Geneva. Um and then Jerry has this phone call with the White House and that changes everything and suddenly it's like what about Panama? What about Sarajevo? Yes. And we should say um, at the end of season two, of course, Kendall dropped his his bombshell in the press conference and accused his father of covering up illegal activity as head of Waystar Royco. So that is why they're all freaked out and in, in an airport and no one knows where they're going. It's very uncomfortable. This whole episode is just, is uncomfortable for Logan. He's He's a billionaire, but he's like standing in a hotel lobby at one point. He's in this airport that hugo admits it's a room it's kind of nice not really like it's very uncomfortable for this this old billionaire dude i really like that it's also very uncomfortable for the viewer because we're they're lost and we're lost 
and we can't locate anyone. And actually, all of the characters are are in this weird limbo, in a kind of purgatory, where none of them can go home. They're all in a sort of holding area. None of them know where they're going, whether it's somewhere with no extradition policy or they're not allowed back in the office. Or But they're all stranded in various different ways. And it makes you feel really edgy because there's no sort of base camp for any of them. Right. The, the way they managed to get Logan into some, like, the world's worst five-star hotel in Sarajevo somewhere, and via some mildly implausible plot twist, contrive to put Kendall into his ex-wife's house rather than in his own... Right, he has to go make nice of his ex-wife. mansion. And you get that real sense of everything's been thrown in the air, that chaos that no one knows what to do because they don't even know where to go. And they're just all standing on a runway going, oh, it could be any continent, could be any city, could be any... Just get in a van, get in a van. Yes, that's such a good point. And that wonderful bit where Logan goes up to Connor, he's like, I want you to hold down the fort here. He's like, hold... What fort? He's in an airport in Croatia. They can't even dress. They can't even get changed. Poor Connor. No one... Logan gives no thought to Connor until Willa has to say like, oh, oh, but what about, about Connor? And then Logan kind of talks to him like he's six years old, right? Oh, of course. (laughs) It's a very important job for you. Like when you tell a toddler, like I have a very important job for you today. And it's completely (laughs) insignificant. It is to tie your shoes. Yeah. Yeah. And also they keep being thrown out of things. So people keep being thrown out of cars or moved out of rooms or or out of their jobs. Like Jerry has three jobs in the first five seconds of the episode. So you've got this real dislocating thing where they're just, nobody belongs anywhere anymore, which I assume is a metaphor for the state of the corporate structure. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Janine. One thing I will say is that we were introduced to the great MacGuffin at the season one, episode one, the very beginning of this show. The name is in the title. It's called Succession. And the whole idea was Logan Roy is the CEO, but someone's going to need to succeed him. Who will it be? And then we get all the way through to the end of season one, and it's still Logan, and we still have no idea. We get through to the end of season two, and it's still Logan, and we have no idea. And then the very first episode of season three, like suddenly they're like, okay, we're going to stop even asking this question, and it's Jerry. It's Jerry, and can we just talk? I mean, this is the ultimate (laughs) glass cliff moment. I think for Jerry, the glass cliff is when, you know, a woman gets made CEO just at the point where everything turns to shit. So, I mean, this couldn't be worse situation. You don't, I don't understand why everyone still wants to be CEO of Waystar Royco. I mean, it's a total, what, what does Carl say? I mean, this is a 12 foot sub of poisonous tree frogs. This is the full Baskin Robbins, 31 flavors of fuck right there. Explain to me why. Jerry wants to be CEO, why Shiv wants to be CEO. Like, I, I really don't get it. Why Roman, like, even phones up his dad and says, I want to be CEO, at which point this guy's like, yeah, no. Well, he even starts <laughs> he it with, I mean, obviously I want it, but, you know, you might not think I'm ready. So if you don't think I'm ready, then maybe I don't want it. It's just the, the <laughs> most, I really don't want it, actually. He's the only one. Yeah. He has the most brilliant line at the beginning where when they're getting into the van, and Logan shouts, you know, suck my dick at him or something equally paternal. Is what he said to his son as the sexual assault allegations poured in. And it's like, <laughs> I am big pentameter. And it's so soon, it's pre-music. And you're just like, oh, thank God the show is back. I love the way the show is written. <laughs> I, was, I was a little bit worried. It's been a long time. I was like, can it come back? And the lines were zinging right at the beginning when you have, 
Kendall in the in the car, and he's he's like, I can't have weevils in the flower sack. <laughs> like, are those a bit like the like the little bitey insects that were in the sand at Willow's play? Um, there's one where, where uh, Logan is talking about um, how he should react, and obviously how he, he'll sacrifice himself as CEO so we can have a succession battle. And he sort of growls, "If I start picking scabs and saying sorry, who knows where we'll end up?" And you just—it's such a Rupert Murdoch line that you just can completely imagine that in the sort of phone hacking debacle or the Fox News debacle of just—I can't start saying sorry now. Anything could happen. So why is he hiding then? Rupert did Rupert Murdoch didn't go fuck off to say. Yeah, no, Rupert Murdoch went straight out. He just stormed into. Parliament. He he genuinely didn't went just full beast. There was a long gap. It was a long, long, that's, long that's gap. That's true. A long gap before he walked very humbly into Parliament and said, "This is the most <laughs> humble day of my life." And but there was a, a there was a long pause for lots of scabs to sort of soak off before he went and said sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so do we buy this? Like after two full seasons of getting to know Logan Roy, do we buy this? Like oh. My son has just given a dumb press conference, so I'm going to step down. Like, is that all it took? I did kind of buy it. Also because I think in either, I think in season two, Jerry is also named as like the the paper successor. Like, yeah, we'll just put Jerry's name down. No one takes it seriously, you know. So I feel like this was just an extension of that kind of plan of like puppet, of puppet Jerry. And I, I do feel like he, he kind of is, he means it this time. Like maybe he thinks this will appease the critics or something i'm sure it does because he he immediately he immediately rose back from it and qualifies it so he says you know first he does that brilliant thing of but a woman would be good so jerry or shiv but i want a kid so shiv or roman but i want experience so roman or jerry and you're like oh this is fun um uh but then as soon as he sort of says jerry he goes I mean, obviously, I'd want to be consulted on any major decisions. And obviously, I would be doing this. And obviously, I'd be doing that. And you just think, okay, so it's a Potemkin CEO. So that made it feel credible. Yeah, it's a bit like Bob Chapek at Disney, right? Yes, yes. And it's exactly like the bit that he says on the plane where he... um, where he's going, it's war, and and tie up the white shoe firms, and get sign up five, and then have chats with the others so they're compromised, and it's just all fake, isn't it? It's all performance and how you re- respond in a crisis. I loved it. It was like the actually what happens when these Me Too when these allegations kind of hit, and everyone's like, this is comeuppance for the corporation, and the corporation's like, oh, we'll hire a law firm and they'll investigate and ever and then maybe someone steps down and then that's it nothing happens behind the scenes no one's actually talking about what happened this was this was my favorite bit of like peek behind the curtain to see what corporate strategy really looks like and this is one of the areas where the fact that they really do their reporting in the writer's room and talk to people who under, who know their shit is when Logan's basically, okay, what we need to do is we need to retain the top three law firms, get them all doing something for us. And then f- for the next five after that, we need to find something that they've done for us in the past so they're conflicted out. And he's basically got this strategy of tying up every single conceivable lawyer who might be any good at this to get them either conflicted out or working for him directly so that no one else can hire any of those to attack him. And I was like, that's that's like, yeah, that's real. Super real. And he then says to 
he says to his super law lieutenant, I mean, I assume this is also obvious that it's already in hand. And he goes, yes, it's already in hand because that's your first move. Tie up all the bankers and the law firms. Amazing. It's completely right. But they don't tie up the key, the, the pivotal lawyer. I mean, that's a big part of this episode was this the, the, the hunt for Lisa Arthur, the lawyer who is going to make it all better for everybody. Kendall gets to Lisa Arthur first and he's one step ahead. Of Logan. It's nice that like you're is... persisting in calling her Lisa Arthur and not Gloria Allred. It's sweet that you're. <laughs> <laughs> That's who she's supposed to be, right? I, I asked Felix in a text and he said we could only discuss it on the show. So you think Gloria Allred? Well, her first name ends in A and the second name begins with it. <laughs> I, I replied to the text saying it's Gloria Allred, but we should discuss it on the show. But did well, you not think Lisa it was Bloom. Gloria Allred? I thought Gloria Allred's daughter, maybe Lisa Bloom, because she's known for representing all these women and these sexual harassment right. and also Harvey Weinstein. So like I could see like that was Harvey Weinstein's move, you know, hiring Lisa Bloom and maybe it was going to be Logan's move, but he got blocked. So that's, one of them. That's, that, that is a fair point. And, and one of the clever things about succession is they're always careful to sort of slightly merge a character. So there's just a, just a not so much absolute real life reflection that you can go, well, that's definitely so-and-so. But, but what was fascinating when you had that conversation between, it's oh, whatever, Lisa Bloom, I don't know, I've, I've now Lisa forgotten Arthur. what everyone's name is, Lisa <laughs> Arthur and Shiv was the Shiv walks in and she's like, and, and Lisa Arthur's like, I, I hope I haven't wasted your time because you know, basically I'm not going to represent Waystar Royco here. And Shiv, without missing a beat, basically goes straight into the whole, like, let me conflict you out pitch and saying, like, no, 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 I don't want you to re to represent Waystar Royco. I just want you to represent me. Like, any way to make you conflicted so that you can't represent Kendall. Oh, I didn't pick up that was her strategy. Yeah, nice. the, the straight into via sorority sister into I'm still going to conflict you out. I, I, I thought that was where it was going. It's amazing. <laughs> really smart. And without, she doesn't miss a beat, does she? And that's where, like, there's been a couple of instances in, in the show. This was one of them. The other one was that scene in the playground with the accuser, um, where Shiv actually does show herself to be incredibly sort of competent and quite good at what she does. And the irony, of course, is that after doing this thing very well, she manages to get in to see Lisa Arthur before Lisa Arthur was actually officially signed on with Kendall. She does this very, you know, smooth attempt to try and get, conflict her out and all the rest of it. But because she doesn't seal it, she doesn't get the job. The clear implication of the of the show, and I think I believe this in this world, if she'd managed to get Lisa Arthur, she would have been named CEO. Right. But this episode is obviously not done giving at that point because there are so many swings and so many layers to the, the swings because because we're in limbo and any, anything can happen. It could all be about the appointment of the lawyer. Um, and Kendall's got this huge win because he's got the lawyer and he's got the great lawyer. But then next thing, he's in a room with some strategic tweet writers. I wasn't even quite sure. <laughs> what, what, what are they? Cool tweets. Go, that's, and, that's, and, his, that's his PR people. Okay. And saying, he, you know, he, and, but who actually had no interest. Give some cool tweets. And he's crazy. Cool tweets. He's off, he's off the charts crazy. And you think, oh, yeah, no, he's definitely not going to win. And he's only just nailed his great lawyer. So it all swings back the other way again. Yeah, no, Kendall, that's that's the whole thing, right? So that he is, he has no plan, right? He he did this great, like, mic drop moment at the end of season two where he's like, boom. 
And then everyone's like, wow, you have a plan. And then it turns out he has no plan at all. Like he's driving around in a car, literally expecting to just be able to go up to his office. And he needs to be told by an underling. Yeah, I don't think they're going to let you into the building. He's like, oh, shit. Now what? And then he's like, I guess I need a PR person. And then before he can even allow the PR person to tell him what to do, he's like, I want to get the writers of Bojack Horseman to write tweets for me. Yeah, I mean, it's like at the end of season two, I was like, wow, Kendall's cool now. And then almost immediately into this episode, I was like, oh, dear God, he's going to he's going to fuck it up. Just like his brother said. And by then, this has gotten a little stale. Kendall will self-destruct because it's his favorite. And then he's talking to those two PR women. He can't even let them tell him their strategy before he cuts them off and is just he just sounds like an idiot. Right. Oh. Right. His first thing, he gets in the car, his first thing is get witless cousin Greg to monitor the internet, which obviously goes exactly (laughs) as you'd imagine. Brilliant. Something about the Pope. (laughs) You're you're trending. Amazing. Not not Um, not the Pope, a Pope. I wrote down a lot of tweets. (laughs) That's such a great line from I can't read all of them. And then the next thing is he obviously phones his girlfriend so that she can tell him that he's an amazing man. What a man. What a man. What a man. And then he's trying to get his ex-wife to tell him what a man he is. And she doesn't give it up to him. So he he just has to keep going. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like, you can kind of tell when when he's all like you can just tell by the way he's walking right like on like within the first two minutes of the show the way he like walks down the corridor you're like this is not how any human being walks this is not someone who is actually in control of what they're doing or has a clue what they're doing and then by the end of the episode he's going up to his ex-wife and saying quote because i don't like to drop a deuce with a staff girl (laughs) you're like yeah well, I think sh- I was talking to our producer, Shayna, before we started recording, and she was like, is he on drugs or is he just in a manic phase? I don't think he was taking drugs or anything for this episode, but he's clearly manic. Like, he is just super pumped, super excited, in search of extreme validation from whatever, wherever he can get it, like his ex-wife, his girlfriend. Greg, at one point, gives him a pat on the shoulder and says, like, you're doing great or something. I mean, he's just like the eternal child looking for his dad to say good job. But now, I mean, obviously, his dad's not going to say good job, although he grind his bones into bread instead or whatever. Um, grind his bones to make his bread, right? Um, so he's he's just seeking that validation from wherever. He should look at Twitter himself, probably. Yeah, he, he wasn't on drugs, but like the very first audio we get in the episode is basically him breathing like Darth Vader inside this bathroom, sort of hyperventilating almost. Like, the guy is off kilter in a way, like, the honestly felt almost even more off kilter than the beginning of season two, where we found him in that Icelandic, you know, spa. Oh, yeah. He's always in a spa or a bathtub or something. <laughs> Needs to go back to water. Yeah. There's something very deep there. We'll we need a Freudian. I um I just wanted to mention that in the car, um, when they can't go back to Waystar Royco, Greg says something along the lines of, "This is like OJ, except if OJ never killed anyone." And then Kendall <laughs> gives this incredible <laughs> smile, which I don't think I've ever seen him OJ smile that big anyone. before, and says, "Who said I never killed anyone?" What Juice is loose, baby. I had chills, okay? Because we know he accidentally did kill someone way back in season one. 
And I am in the back of my head wondering, like, is Logan going to use that against him in this fight? Oh, God, of course he is. I've gotten that. Oh God! Um, but and then that? yeah, no, he comes out with this with this manic grin. You're absolutely right. He goes, "The juice is loose," and um, and at one point, like the relationship between Kendall and Greg is something that I need more understanding of because the entire mic drop moment at the end of season two would have been impossible without the papers that Greg clearly gave to Kendall at some point, And we never see this conversation at some point, Greg and Kendall have a conversation where Greg tells Kendall that he has these papers and he hands over the papers. And because we've never saw the conversation, we don't understand how that relationship is built up. We did see the conversation because I, oh, was, we did? I actually rewatched season one and in the, at the wedding when they're in, England for the wedding. Greg does yep. make a comment to Kendall about he has he has some papers, some evidence or something. It's it's hinted at oh, that, wow. that he would help him. Um, Deep cut happens. back to season one. Yeah, so that that's this is why you need was, Emily was always because she's actually concentrating. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just stuck here in Westchester. Like, like watching the TV. rest of us are busy going <laughs> like, oh my god, Kendall just killed someone and. And Emily's like, wait, no, Greg said something to Kendall. That's significant. We, we're going to need that later. <laughs> I'm obsessing over the weird echoing of the uh, dominant sub, um, subservient relationships between Tom and Greg and uh, Jerry and Roman. And Emily's like, plot point. <laughs> <laughs> what about what about Greg and Kendall? This is the thing. But yeah, so that's... So Greg is there in the back of the car. He's like quietly necessary, even though utterly useless. And oh, poor Greg. <laughs> Do you? I'm yeah, starting they... to lose sympathy. I just want to soften now. <laughs> I think I'll oh, come on, Greg. Get it together. I mean, he's hey, both really conniving and really idiotic at the same time, which I guess you could say for all of these characters, right? But like he doesn't understand how to just like see what's going on what people are saying about Kendall on the internet. He says things like the internet is big, but meanwhile, he's like orchestrated <laughs> this whole maneuver with these papers, um, you know, from season one on the, the cruise papers have been like this, you know, MacGuffin-y thing. If you ask Greg to like conflict out Lisa Arthur, like he, had, he wouldn't even know what you were talking no. about. There's every <laughs> chance that he would just by talking before she could shut him up. There's every chance that he would... <laughs> He would manage it just through gross ineptitude. <laughs> <laughs> Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. This episode of Slate Money is brought to you by Wondery, which is a podcast company, and it makes a podcast called The Best One Yet, and it is a daily podcast hosted by Nick and Jack, who serve up three of the most interesting business news stories every day and why you need to know them in just 20 minutes. 
Do you want to hear about the $100 wedding dress that saved Abercrombie or which real tech acquisitions like Game of Thrones or the one financial equation that can finally solve climate change? That's the kind of stuff you find on The Best One Yet. So be in the know this year by starting your morning with The Best One Yet every weekday. Follow The Best One Yet on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free right now on Wondery Plus. And for more deep dive and daily business content, listen on Wondery, the destination for business podcasts, with shows like The Best One Yet, How I Built This, Business Wars, and many more. Wondery means business. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So what do we think of Jerry as CEO? Like, she's not going to be the fuck-up that any of the other options would have been, right? I think it's really obvious that at the beginning of the episode, she's his ace. If um, the lawyer, Lisa, Gloria, um, uh, whoever, is is um, Kendall's ace, then then Jerry is Logan's ace. She's the first one to sort of centre herself in the purgatory limbo. Um, she offers the plan of, I could check in with the DOJ. She's the first one to say anything that isn't, uh, that is positive rather than uh, reactive. Um, and And she executes it. And they're all just forced to go, yeah, well done, Jerry. Okay, that's great. Yeah, well done, Jerry. We, we've got something. We know something. So she she absolutely gathers herself in and, and takes control of it. And so you, you you how could she not be the CEO? She's the only one he's got that isn't just sitting there going, well, we're 33 flavors of fucked or going, well, I don't know. Is he toast? I mean, he might be toast. In the um, in the immortal world's words of Roman Roy, if it ain't Romy time, maybe it's crony time. <laughs> <laughs> He's my favorite. I can't help it. <laughs> it's true, though, Jerry. I mean, she says it herself when Roman tries to sleep with her in the hotel. She says, I've I've gotten as far as I have by avoiding mess, you know? And she does yes. avoid mess somehow, even in this company where everyone else is in mess. Like, Carl is told he's not trusted. No, Frank. Frank what? is told yep. he's not Frank. trusted. Carl is, I've never seen him display any competence in this show, except having like panic attacks when he was kidnapped. But also, can we just mention the line where, where Logan turns to Carl and goes, Carl, if your hands are clean, it's only because your whorehouse does manic. <laughs> exactly. Beautiful. Jerry is really the only competent one or has displayed, you know, a cool head and even through all of it. And she also gets one of the best lines where, where like Shiv is conniving with tom on the plane and comes back and roman's like yeah we know that you know <laughs> i showed siobhan the text messages and siobhan was like what the fuck are you doing jerry and jerry turns around and goes i'm just a very straightforward person chef yeah. so what'd you hear <laughs> well I heard she kind of is, is just my, my favorite jerry line she's just a very straightforward person yeah so it does make sense that he would choose her actually it shows some kind of thinking on his part. As soon as Roman calls and kind of like has that Weasley conversation with him, it's clear he's not CEO material, right? I mean, you don't call someone and say, I want to do it because it's my time, because it's my time. Like that's not a convincing sales pitch. 
Unless you think it's not my time. Unless you think it's not my time, in which case, it's probably not my time. I might have got the time wrong. I might be in the wrong time zone. Maybe in Sarajevo. Probably in Sarajevo. So where where does this leave Shiv? She has been shafted by her dad. She's like, she does that thing where she's like, turns the car around. Is she at risk of, you know, is she going to join Team Kendall at this point? Well, I mean, that's the implication, right? She shows up there at the end of the episode. Um, presumably, maybe she's going to play like some double agent action. Because at the beginning, she says, is is dad toast? That's what I'm thinking. Is he toast? She seems to kind of see clearly that this is a serious situation. Though I feel like we should also discuss whether or not this actually is a serious situation. That's is really Logan going to jail, y'all? I don't think so. Well, I mean, like, so, so my fate, my, my, my mental picture of the sort of story arc is that season two was all about the proxy war. Season one ended with like, there's going to be this big proxy war where we try and work out whether Logan can keep control of the company or whether the rival shareholders are going to seize control of the company. And by the end of season two, after all of this proxy war fighting and all manner of back and forth with pierces and all the rest of it, we still don't know what the outcome of the proxy war is. And and now, uh, like, that is still happening. Like, that backdrop, that fight of who's going to control the company hasn't gone away. No. But we do, we do have some hints as to what's going to happen, because we always do, because succession is so rooted in actual fact. And as you pointed out earlier, so incredibly well reported. So one thing we absolutely know for a fact is that uh, Logan Roy is not going to jail. No, nobody goes, the, the, the Murdoch doesn't go to jail. Somebody else will go to jail, but that, that will be somebody who is not a blood relative and is um, very, you know, well-placed to just do a little stint. Um, and then somebody else might, it might get a bit perilous, but he will decide who, who gets saved and who, who doesn't get saved. But I mean, but the fact is, we, we do know that Tom and Greg, who were on the front lines of the cover-up, that Logan has no compunction about either of those two. Going I, to I've got. I would have very good odds on Tom going to jail. I, um, notably, there's not a lot of Tom in this episode. I feel like Tom, Tom's, Tom's um, path to jail is almost predestined. I would. I really. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But I would think Shiv. To Emily's point earlier, Shiv always knows her own power. So she got a knock, but she always knows her own power. And in a dispute where, you know, the, the opening line almost of the episode is, you know, is what he said to his son as the sexual assault allegations poured in. Um, Shiv is in a very good position as the, as the, the, the daughter. You know, she, she, she knows her power. Yeah, a prosecutor is not going to send a woman to jail for sexual assault crimes. Like, that is a bad look. Tom is, a, is an easy thing, especially given that Greg is... 100% happy to cooperate with prosecutors and tell them exactly what Tom told him to do, right? He'll like with Tom's with Greg's cooperation, it's hard to see how Tom stays out of jail, right? Right. And right. we I mean as viewers of the show know that Tom did wrong. He found out about all this wrongdoing on cruises, murder, etc., and his next move was to cover it up by shredding documents. So like Shiv hasn't as far as I know hasn't done anything jail worthy or crime worthy shiv if i i mean you've you've done more recent rewatching of succession than i have but 
tell me if I'm wrong here, but Shiv actually at some point very aggressively when Tom tries to tell her what he's doing and what he's find out found out, she aggressively tells him, do not tell me I do not mm-hmm. want to know. Mm-hmm. All we've got for Shiv is a bit of, you know, light immorality and general um, uh, uh, bloodthirstiness. I don't think there's anything that's going to send her down. Maybe, maybe a bit of possession. I don't know. Yeah, no, that's a big thing in this episode too. Like, um, is is Jerry clean? Are you clean? Like, um, Jerry asks Roman, like, are you clean? And he's like, oh, which is hilarious given their relationship. Yeah. (laughs) And um, Logan asks if Jerry is clean, um, and Tom admits he is not clean. You know, he's all tied up in cruises. He knows what's what. When Logan asks him to be CEO briefly or if he wants it, he's just like, no, 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 no. What? No, no, absolutely not. I feel like he kind of knows where this is headed. I don't know where it's headed, but. Well, I mean, it, it's it's headed to shit town, right? I mean, like, it's all going to go horribly <laughs> pear-shaped because that's where, you know, in the ways of succession. There was that wonderful callback, you know, not just the one where, where, um, where Kendall says, who said I never killed anyone, but then later on when Shiv is trying to make a last ditch attempt to try and persuade Lisa Arthur not to represent Kendall, she says, careful who you hitch your wagon to honey, because a lot of wagons are going in the ditch. And that whole reference to wagons going in the ditch and Kendall was, you know, it worked for us omniscient viewers, I suppose. Yeah. I, I just was thinking, I love how all the conversations in this episode end with everybody screaming abuse at each other, no matter where they start. <laughs> every, almost every conversation ends, ends with somebody calling somebody else something vile. That is true. I also um, I wanted to note that this episode seemed to be Hugo's kind of like moment. Carolina, the other, um, the comms person, is kicked out of the car. Mm. <laughs> right Kendall kicks literally her out kicks on live curb. TV on like live Kendall TV. literally kicks her out into the waiting scrum of TV cameras which like as a PR move really unwise yeah really unwise no don't do that <laughs> don't do that just a tip <laughs> but, um, so I don't know what's going to happen to Carolina now because I feel like she is a little compromised um, and and Hugo, who's kind of like this, just an absolute kind of snake of a PR guy, is seems to be all up in Logan's business. So I wonder where that's going if if Carolina's done for this season or not. So that's one thing to think about and wonder. But no, I I, I definitely noticed that scene where it's Hugo and Logan in the van, and Roman is wanting to get in the van, and Hugo just closes the door on him, and it's like, no, fuck off! Like I'm on the inside, you're on the outside. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And it's kind of shit work too, right? Like booking the the bad hotel in Sarajevo and checking I was going to say it's somewhere between PR and terrible concierge, isn't it? It's yeah. it's a very <laughs> What is your experience glamorous. with this role? Yeah. <laughs> so I I have to say I don't understand the Sarajevo thing. Like that that makes no sense to me the extradition things I don't understand. Like, if you're in Croatia already, like, why not just fucking stay on the yacht? Like, why is he going to Sarajevo? I mean, I don't know the legal... Perhaps Sarajevo has a long history of not extraditing to America that is much more heavily enforced. But it, it, um, I think it's that sense of, we've got all this impetus and all this, let's go, they keep shouting at each other, let's go, it's war, let's go. And they're completely... They don't know what to do. So, <laughs> all right, Sarajevo then, we'll go to Sarajevo. It's just this sort of perpetual motion thing, or, or then in a holding room 
Kendall's the same. Just keep moving. He's just keeping moving. But nothing has actually happened. He's just said he has documents. Like nothing, literally nothing is happening. No charges, no subpoenas, no nothing. It's just, we have to do something. But, but the reaction of this family is to immediately break apart into tiny huddles, try and form an alliance and hire a shitload of lawyers. It's just, it's sort of, it's just put them under a lot of stress and look at them and go, that's, hmm, how interesting. Yeah, I do. I do think that in the real world, like Logan would probably have just stayed on the yacht, but you know, HBO couldn't, wouldn't like spring for that one. Yeah. You had to. Oh yeah. We didn't something. get any yacht shots, did we? Yeah. Cause you'd have to go back to the yacht. Yeah. <laughs> but if point. you read Re- Rebecca Mead's piece, there was a lot of drama with the, the planes and how many helicopters you could have in the shot to remember that everyone is in fact wealthy. We have the planes. I couldn't bear to read the piece in case there was a spoiler. That's. There was no spoilers. You can read you the promise? piece. I got about two yeah. hours in and I thought, oh no, I don't even want to know they're in Tuscany. HBO would never have, never have allowed any spoilers. So go read Rebecca's piece, oh. especially now that she's your neighbor. Um, okay, so uh, Emily, favorite line from the episode? We've said a lot of them already, but I actually have a fondness for Logan just undercutting Frank throughout this episode, telling me he's not trusted. And at one point, Frank says he would make a really good interim CEO. And Logan just kind of turns to him. And he reminded me of like an elderly relative of mine. He was just like, you're not trusted. you mashed potatoes. And I just really love that. <laughs> you mashed potatoes. I don't know what it means, really. What does it mean to be mashed potatoes? But yeah, that was a favorite. Well, Connor, of course, is the first pancake. <laughs> that I understand. If you've made yeah. enough pancakes, you understand. The first one's kind of meh. It's all, the first out. one's always terrible. It's, uh, uh, you, you, it's your practice pancake. That is Exactly. The it takes too long <laughs> and it's still not ready when you finish it. And it's a bit somehow both soggy and crispy. It's very, it's yes. Oh, terrible. <laughs> but I don't know what mashed potatoes are. I guess they're just trash, yeah. not CEO material. Connor has a good line. When when, when he goes to, when he talks uh, to, to Willow about like making her play a hate watch. And he goes, we should jump on the Irono cycle. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good line. I mean, it's it's not in character. Like, Connor, Connor's not smart enough to come up with that. But, like, it's a good line. Janine, what's your favorite line? Oh, mine is definitely cool tweets. Just cool tweets. Just cool <laughs> tweets. I'm going to use that all the time, especially when introducing our social media policy. <laughs> this is what I want you to bear in mind when planning your cool tweets. <laughs> <laughs> The Axios social media policy is never tweet. The FT social media policy is cool tweets only. Cool tweets only. <laughs> <laughs> Just going to workshop some cool tweets now. <laughs> I think mine is is probably like when when Roman actually comes out and says it and he goes to Jerry, he goes, I'd lay you badly, but I'd lay you gladly. <laughs> oh, <Felix>. <laughs> <laughs> You want for the, the 70s bumper sticker. Okay. <laughs> I think it was about to happen, but then the phone the phone rings and cuts them off. But I think... That, I, I think, think it's we'll really interesting. I think it wasn't out of the question either. I definitely think it was about to happen. She looked interested. She definitely did. Her Their relationship is so fascinating. I think it's actually one of the more strategic alliances that have paid off in the show because Roman really does close the deal for Jerry as interim CEO in that, in that phone call, whether or not that's a good thing, TBD. Oh yeah. Oh, oh, that's another great line, by the way, 
maybe a couple of years under the wing of an old hen could see me crack out of the old egg. <laughs> that is wonderful. <laughs> I, I do think now, though, that whether he realizes it or not, Logan has basically got Roman on board by putting Jerry in charge, right? He's yeah. definitely lost Kendall. No one cares about Connor. Shiv is up in the air at this point. But Roman is Team Logan. Yeah. Thank you, Logan. Probably even more so than he would have been if he'd been made CEO himself. Oh, definitely. definitely. And definitely more su- his chances of success are higher under Jerry's wing <laughs> than if he were actually made interim CEO. Oh, yeah. No, you know for a fact. Obviously. He would unravel faster even than Kendall. He'd be, you know, pulling his pants down in front of a floor to ceiling window. And it just, I don't, it's impossible to imagine the ridiculous extremes uh, uh, he would go to if actually put in charge. But he has this weirdy loyalty with Jerry. And now, and now he will be on side. Maybe Logan realizes it. All right. We're not going to ask you what happens in episode two, Janine, because you might have some inside information on that one. But I'm going to ask Emily, what's what's up next? What are we looking forward to? Well, I mean, I did see some preview material that HBO put out, and I saw FBI jackets in the preview material. So maybe a, some kind of raid is upcoming. I would like to see a raid on Waystar of Royco. That is my wish and prediction well let's let's hope for some hardcore law enforcement action coming up in episode two janine gibson at the ft oh my god it's been such a pleasure having you on i can't wait to tweet about the rest of the season with you as it goes on so much for having me and mainly thank you for giving me episode one of succession ahead of everybody else getting episode one of succession (laughs) i am so grateful i will do anything forever how, how jealous is the rest of North of London of Janine I Gibson mean, right I now? I may have mentioned a few times that I have episode one of Succession. <laughs> and people may have gone, can I come and watch it at your house? And I may have gone, no, because it's a sacred breach of trust between me and HBO. <laughs> <laughs> well, Janine, I look forward to your cool tweets on this episode when, it, when it's finally Thanks, Emily. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Janine. Thank you. For whatever reason, it ain't Romy time, then uh, maybe it's crony time. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.